This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. College sports fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by Brandon Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And today, Brandon, we're going to stick mostly in the, the world of college basketball because it, us as Bulls fans, we know what's going on, but also this is affecting college basketball too, where Iowa State's Fred Hoiberg is on the verge. Ne- he's negotiating with the Chicago Bulls to leave the Cyclones of Iowa State and go to the NBA for five years. Yeah, I think it's a it's going to be an interesting move. He has not really had that the head coaching experience in the NBA. He's been an assistant. He played for the Bulls in a little stint. Uh, and Ricky, as you said before, we we started the podcast uh, when the Bulls were at their worst. Yeah, is when well, he played for him. He came to the Bulls in 1999, and if you're in Chicago, that should. Uh, up a little bit of a red flag because we sucked for quite a bit after uh, his airness left uh, Chicago for Washington, but we don't talk about those days. Here's how this podcast is going to work. We're going to break it up into two sections. The title of this podcast is What Iowa State Will Do When Fred Hoiberg Leaves, When He Leaves for Chicago. But what we're going to talk about first is we're going to focus in on Hoiberg. We're going to talk about what he did at Iowa State. We're going to talk about what he could do in the NBA, then come back, and the entire rest of the podcast will be Iowa State and the future of Cyclone basketball. And if we're looking at Hoiberg, five years at Iowa State, four NCAA tournament bids, 115 wins, 56 losses. And a big, as a number three seed in the 2015 NCAA tournament, big loss. To the University of Alabama, mm-hmm. Birmingham, UAB, mm-hmm. in the round of 64. And that, if I'm him, that's not the way I want to be going out on my college coaching career. Well, and the thing that this is when I learned that Hoiberg was negotiating a deal. And when they say they're negotiating a deal, it's pretty much a done deal. That it's just a matter of how much can I really finagle out of you for these five years. And I was kind of surprised because I'm like, okay. This is a guy who has been with Iowa State for five seasons. The past four seasons, he's gone to the NCAA National Tournament. He had two round of 32 exits early on, that sweet 16 bit in the 13-14 season, like you said, last year getting bounced in the round of 64. To me, if I'm that coach, I'm going, okay, Let's build for next year. I want to win that national championship. I didn't take Fred Hoiberg as the guy to say, I want to do things in the NBA. No, I'm interested as to how this will work, though, because, again, a guy who hasn't had a NBA head coaching position, this would be the first time that he's been part of that, and he's going to be going to a team that – Fans will definitely scrutinize the move, you know, a couple of weeks in. If all of a sudden mm-hmm. the Bulls are under 500 and aren't looking good, all of a sudden it's going to be, why the heck did you fire Thibodeau? And the same people who wanted him fired at this time. So I think that's going to be really interesting Interesting for Hoiberg. And then I have to ask the question, are the Chicago Bulls then, they're getting a new head coach. They're getting a guy who doesn't have really a lot of 
experience in the NBA behind him, at least in the coaching aspect. Do the Bulls start to rebuild a little bit? Is this a rebuild time? Is this a retooling time, as the White Sox like to call things? I'm interested. I'm interested to see the direction that they move. The only thing I can think of, and this is coming from an NBA kind of standpoint, if we're going to leave college to go to the NBA for a bit before we come back, is the one thing Coach Thibodeau did not like to do was play rookies. Let's be honest. Rookies got cut minutes, especially late in the season, in the playoffs. Did we see uh, Dougie McBuckets often? No. We barely saw Marodic. And Marodic is not really, yes, he's a rookie, but he's not really a rookie. And I'm You're using talking my air quotes. Yeah, Nico, because he's played over in Europe before coming to the U.S. And I look at Hoiberg, might play rookies. He might say, okay, if the Bulls go ahead and draft a point guard in the first round, he's going to play as the main backup behind Derrick Rose. The other thing is, Hoiberg comes into this Bulls job, he's got. A quality four guy could also play the five in Pagasol. He's got a former MVP of the NBA in Derrick Rose. He's got a guy that I've criticized, but I'd rather have him at center over your Omir Ashik garbage in Joakim Noah. He's got a guy in Taj Gibson that plays hard. Jimmy Butler could be coming back. He's got a good roster. It's just I'm sitting here going, can he win with it? And will we be saying after the season, he should have stayed at Iowa State? Well, do you think he'll be able to, coming from college, working with a lot of young guys, do you think he'll be able to develop the young talent? Do you think that's one reason why the Bulls maybe are going after him? Because we haven't seen the young talent be developed in Chicago. Look at Brad Stevens. Look at Brad Stevens in Boston. Develop the young talent. Did they make the playoffs? They could have. They're playing really good late in the season. It just didn't come for them. But to me, Hoiberg is a different kind of guy than Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens is that, okay, I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to bring you up and in. Hoiberg's a guy where he can step in and eventually not, I don't want to say change his style, but he can be a hard ass and say, okay, we're going to do it this way. But let's get into Iowa State because we are a college sports podcast. They've got a few ways they can go if this pen, like we all think it's going to happen, Hits the paper, and Hoiberg signs his name. The first candidate has to be, he was an assistant for the Iowa State Cyclones between 2006 and 2013. Left for two years to go to Washington. Just re-signed with the Cyclones this April to be the assistant. First on the list has got to be T.J. Otzelberger. Well, it's got to be any time that a guy leaves a program, especially with college, you look at the assistant coach, and you have to give him at least an interview. I mean, you would be doing him an injustice if you did not. So I think that he is the number one guy right now specifically Mm -hmm. because of that. The one thing going against him, the only head coaching experience he has was from 01 to 04 in high school. Yep, That's That's the thing going against him. He doesn't have the experience. Every other coach that we are going to mention from here on out, not only has head coaching experience in the NCAA, but two of them even have NBA head coaching experience. One of them's even in the NBA right now. To me, he's the bit of the pipe dream. Let's get him over with right now. Jeff Hornacek, he's with the Phoenix Suns. He's been there since 2013. I know he's a 
we'll call him basketball god in the minds of Cyclone Faithful. But is there really a chance that Jeff Hornacek will leave the NBA, leave the Phoenix Suns to come coach Iowa State? It's got to be like a zero, a point zero one percent, right? Well, I think that it it kind of ends up being what would they have to offer him that his NBA job doesn't currently have to offer him. And with the Phoenix Suns, are they almost there? Are they almost there to getting to, uh, not necessarily greatness, but to getting over the hump, to being that good team, to being that yearly contender? From his first year to this past season, they saw a, let's say, a nine-win decrease. They, They won nine fewer games this year, still finished third in the Pacific Division, missed the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that it, the the big question, he's on this list for a reason, so there must be some potential interest or people might think that he is possibly intrigued by the opening. But I think it, it comes down to what can Iowa State offer him that's really going to make him jump over, jump ship from the Suns and say, absolutely, I want to take the Iowa State job. See, I'm kind of from the other way where unless the coach is on the way out, where it's like the NBA team is almost close to firing him, there's no way an NBA coach says, yeah, let me go coach college. It would kind of be like, I'm trying to think of Coach Popovich. If let's say Mike Krzyzewski retired tomorrow and Duke went to Coach Pop and said, Hey, want to become the coach of Duke? You know, Popovich would say, nah, I'm good. Or if, let's say, Roy Williams retired from UNC and UNC went to Michael Jordan and said, hey, do you want to be the head coach? First off, that may be a bad decision because Michael Jordan's not the best coach. But he would say, nah, I'm good. Or Phil Jackson, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I, I think that it, it comes down to, I don't I don't know. I, I think it's... You see it a lot of times where a guy goes from college to the NBA. But I think it really takes a lot to go the other side and mm-hmm. go the other way. Mm-hmm. It's, there's got to be a lot. and but again, Unless you're on the way out like Tim Floyd was when he was with the Bulls, and then we ousted him, and he went to Southern Cal. True. There are some guys who go from, from college mm-hmm. to the NBA, then realize, eh, NBA is not for me. I'm much better as a college coach, and then they go back. But I, this isn't one of those. And but again, I, I said I said it before. He's got, he's on this list for a reason. He's the last guy on the list, well, but he's, he's on the list for a reason. Well, he's a guy where he's kind of like it would be where um, if like I said, if North Carolina hired Michael Jordan to be their head coach, that what this would be. He was great when he was with Iowa State. His number 14 jersey is retired with Iowa State. He'd be a fan favorite. I would hope so because he's so beloved by Cyclone Faithful. But to me, here's the top three candidates. Bryce Drew, who is the head coach at Valpo, 94-42 and record in four seasons at Valpo, one NIT and two national tournament bids, both second-rounders, in his four-year stint, we also have Brad Underwood, head coach of U.S. Austin. Only two years, small sample size, but he's 61-8, and eight, and he's gone to two 
national tournaments with the Roadrunners, and then you got to go Steve Prom, where he's been with Murray State. He had that great year back in 11-12 where they went to the national tournament, lost in the round of 32. And since then, he's been divisional regular season champ and even a conference regular season champion. I went to the NIT this last year, but he hasn't been back to that national tournament. And to me, when I'm looking at a coach, maybe it's because I'm not at the top. I'm not the AD of Iowa State. But the first thing I look at is, how many national tournaments have you been to? How many have you been to? I think that my number one guy, my number one guy on this list is Steve Prom. Oh, thank I thought you were going to say someone else we didn't mention where... We have one more that we're going to get to. I thought you were going to say his name, Brandon. No, no. I was worried. My number one is Steve Prom. If you want to go with the with the guy who is going to step in and be Hoiberg-esque, mm-hmm. it's who it is. And, and I think that, you know, again, like I said it at the top of the podcast, yeah, you have to look at TJ Otzelberger and give him a look, give him a an interview and everything like that. But in the end, is he the best candidate? Maybe not, and I think that right now a lot of fans believe that Iowa State would be settling by going for him. They feel like they're they're right on the cusp of something really great and really fun and exciting down there in Iowa State, but I don't think that many fans think that Otzelberger is going to be the guy to continue that. I'll be honest, I hope Otzelberger gets the job, even though I'm not an Iowa State guy. I'm not in the fan base, like, tapped on the pulse. I hope he gets the job because, to me, the kind of assumption is, okay, if you want a similar style to what Hoiberg has, bring in the assistant. And this is an assistant that worked with Hoiberg even before he left to go to Washington before coming back. One guy I'm going to say... He's going to be a great name to throw around, but he probably will not get the job as Brad Underwood, the Stephen F. Austin guy, because his sample size is just way too small. Two years with the Roadrunners, I mean, yeah, 61-8. and eight. You look at that record, and it's like, wow. His first season with SFA, they went 32-3, and 18-0 in the Southland Conference, Went on to the national tournament. Didn't win their game, but almost did. Then they come back, lose only two more games than they did last season. Won 17-1 in conference last year. And I want to apologize. I've been saying the Roadrunners, they're the Lumberjacks. SFA, the Lumberjacks. This year they get to the tournament, win their first game. However, that sample size is small. And with me, I'm leaning with the guy Bryce Drew. Because not only, I know his biggest knock is that offensively, if we're going off of their adjusted offensive ranking, the Crusaders of Valpo were 125th, according to KenPom.com's adjusted offensive ranking. However, they held the floor defensively. So to me, I'm looking at that going, maybe it's because I'm a Bulls fan, and for the last few years, I've seen defense and I'm an Illinois guy, and I've seen John Gross stress defense, defense, defense. I want a guy that's going to do the same thing because you you can score as many points as you want in a game, 
But the only way you're going to win is if you limit your opponent from scoring the ball, scoring the ball in the hoop. That's it. Yeah, I, I, I am going to disagree, though, with you, because I think that if you want to kind of keep the Iowa State tradition, uh, that's offense. You've got to go offense here. I mean, defense is nice, but again, you being a Chicago guy, that's what you—that's what you're used mm-hmm. to, and that's also why uh, Tom Thibodeau's probably gone from the Bulls now because de- stress defense too much, maybe lacked a little bit offensively, didn't want to go with the um, offensive-minded route, and he didn't want to go there with his assistants either. So I think that going back, that's why Steve Prom is the top guy. For this job, I think Bryce Drew is a very, very worthwhile candidate. But I think that Steve Prom, if they want to continue what they were at or close to where they were at with Iowa State, have a guy jump in there and keep on going, get them right back to where they were last year, that's going to be Prom. I'm going to ask you this question. This goes for Drew. Do you think that this part plays into just a little bit a hair? of the decision for Iowa State that his brother is Scott Drew, coach for Baylor, other team in the Big 12. No. Maybe they see, hey, you know what? Baylor's a tough opponent for us. Bryce Drew knows his brother, knows what he's going to do. We've seen the hardball battles in the NFL. Could we maybe see the Drew battles in the Big 12? I don't think it's as big. I I don't think it's as big. I, I think that... Uh, you mentioned uh, the Harbaugh battles. Uh, NFL, it's much bigger. Uh, shorter season. I don't think that it would have as big of an impact in the NCAA. Okay, the last coaching candidate that we have for this job, and I've been kind of holding them off to the side because he used to coach at Iowa State for four years between 94 and 98. The first two years, Iowa State was a part of the Big East Conference. Then they made the move in 96 to the Big 12 to where they are to this day. Tim Floyd. He went 81 and 47 with the Cyclones, eight, just even 30 and 30 in the two conferences, three NCAA tournament appearances. In 98, went from Iowa State, oh, deja vu, went from Iowa State to where? To the Bulls. Went from 98 to 02, then 03 to 04. He was with the New Orleans Hornets. Never made the playoffs with the Bulls. Finished in last place every single year. And since then, he has been at Southern Cal from 05 to 09 and UTEP from 2010 to 2015. Do you look at him? No, you don't. And I'll tell you why. Because he has no NCAA tournament berths. That's the most important well, thing that I'm looking at. He's that's got. Some, that's I don't care. I don't care got, what he's. Whatever you're gonna say, Ricky, it is worthless because if he cannot get you to the tournament, that's that's what you work for each and every season. Well, since 1994, that's when he had his four years at Iowa State, his five years, no, four years at Southern Cal, and then his five years at UTEP. He has had a combined six NCAA. At, Appearances. The furthest he made it was the Sweet 16 in 06 07. Since becoming the head coach at UTEP, though, no national tournament bids. He's gone to the NIT. He went this past year with a 22 and 10 UTEP team. And you could be screaming at your computer or your phone right now saying, 
Ricky, Brandon, well, of course he didn't make it to the national tournament with UTEP. He was playing with UTEP. You have Iowa State and USC that play in the Pac-10 well, at the time and the Big East and Big 12, whereas UTEP's playing in the CUSA. So that's the little kind of devil's advocate to your no national terms, but I get what you're saying. It still, it still, it still doesn't matter though, because I mean, in, in five years with a, with a program, and you can't even make it to the to the NCAA tournament. I, good coaches, good coaches will mold good players. They will get their players to the tournament. Also, they will push their players to the tournament. In my mind, that is a good coach. That's what a good coach does. Also, you have to uh, you got to put into it. And Wikipedia has this perfectly is at USC he went eighty five and fifty overall. However, that eighty five and fifty does not take into account all twenty one wins from the 07-08 season that were vacated after OJ Mayo was ruled ineligible. So they lost all twenty one of those wins in 07-08 because of the OJ Mayo controversy. If you have a guy like that who's had a controversy in his, I don't care where it is in his history, you stay away from him. Here's my top three for the job. These are actually, I'm going to say top four because there's an honorary guy in there. You probably know who he is. Number four, Jeff Hornacek. You give him a call. Hey, you interested? Nope. Okay, cool. Number three, Bryce Drew. Number two, Steve Prom. Number one, TJ Otzelberger. Three guys you interview right there. What do you think? You're you're staring at me with that big dumb look on your face. <laughs> I, because I because I don't I don't you know don't, you don't like that I took Brad Underwood and said that your sample size is too small, so I'm not even gonna give you an interview. No, I, I agree with you there. I just don't think that even even with the number one guy, Otzelberger. Be, being your number one. Well, I'm just I, saying I those. I'm just saying those are the three guys you give the interview to. I thought you had him. Your number one. That's the, was him. That's the first person I interview. Is Otzelberg. Oh well, the way you set it up, you made it seem no, like he was your number no, no, one no. choice. This was my number one choice. Would be Bryce Drew. That's what I would say. Okay, well then, then go with guy. one through three. Go with your number one, two, th- your one, two, Drew, and three. Otzelberger, Prom, Hornacek. I asked for three and gave me four. Yeah, well, Hornacek's Never good at math for you. I'm just kidding. Hornacek's going to be number one if he says, yes, I want the job. Boom, take him. Because he's a great coach. I mean, in the NBA, he's done great things with the Suns. Fans would love him. He'd win games for the Cyclones. But I don't think he's going to take the job. His daughter's really attractive, too, so that'd be something <laughs> else to, to bring to uh, Iowa State, I'm sure, for parties. But what is what do you think it would be? For him to take the job, for for, for Iowa State to take the job, yeah. what do you think that they would need to do? I don't think they have to do anything. It comes down to a "do you want it" type of thing, because he's in a position where it's like, okay, fine, if I want it, I'll leave. If I don't, I'll stay. And Iowa State's in a situation where they don't really need him to be the head coach. They don't need him. To be that head coach, they can say, hey, you know what? We'll go with these other guys that have college experience. We were just asking you if you want it, kind of as a pleasantry. 
So I don't think Iowa State has to do anything in order to get Hornacek to come. He's going to come or not, just depending on what he wants to do. But you tell me who your top three are. I don't think you've said who your top three are yet. No, I have not. So my first one I'm going with is going to be Prom. Uh, Prom because I think that he continues to to bring kind of where Iowa State basketball was, and with him inserted there, there's not a whole lot of drop off mm-hmm. after that. So he's my number one. My number two would be Bryce Drew. Because of a lot of the reasons that, that you mentioned, uh, I think that he would be a, a a pretty good guy, pretty good candidate for it. I have him, again, at, at my number two, and then my number three would be T.J. Otzelberger because he knows the system. I'm going to ask you one name that we haven't mentioned. And to me, most of these coaches that we're talking about, are they're going to be on the radar for two jobs. Because Iowa State, they're the newest job that's going to pop up out of the soil. But Florida's also looking for a new head coach. After Bill, Billy Donovan, same thing as Hoiberg, leaves Florida, goes to the NBA. He's going to be the coach of the Thunder. And one coach I was going to mention, just remembered, Dayton's Archie Miller. Dayton's been a hot team. He's been, done good things at Dayton. Do they at least look at him? I don't know. I, I don't know if with a with a guy like that, I don't even know if he's, like you said, he's done good things at Dayton. He may just want to continue to be there. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one thing that happens a lot of times with coaches, especially coaches that are hot right now with the team that they're with. They want to keep it going. They want to see how far they possibly can go with the team they're currently with. So I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, you're Iowa State. You look at anybody, but... If you're the head coach of Dayton, I, I don't know if I'm really even paying any attention to to Iowa State's job search. And you know what's one coach that, and I'm I'm saying this because I'm looking at an article on AlligatorArmy.com, which is the Florida SB Nation site, because I'm kind of looking through what they think about coaches. Do you think either of these two teams, Iowa State or Florida, Alligator Army has this guy under the Nas section, where it's like guys where it's like, don't even, he's not going to move. Mike Miller, who's in the NBA with the Cavaliers. Shaka Smart, who just took a job at Texas, obviously. He's not going to move anytime soon. Do you think either of these guys look at Greg Marshall at Wichita State and try to try to lure him over from Wichita State? Or does Marshall say, hey, you know what? I know we're not a Power five team, but we're pretty good. We're going to make the tournament each year. Plus, I want to beat Kansas. That's that's hard because I mean, at Wichita State, I mean, my gosh, I mean, look at look at the team that they have. Look uh-huh. at the talent that they have. And they continue to produce out of there. They continue to make a run for it in the tournament each and every year. I don't know. That's a tough one. Last thing I want to talk about on this podcast. This is kind of a general kind of discussion. I'm going to put the article down below that ESPN put out this week. The SEC changed policies and fines to their storming the field after football games, and the fines could reach $250,000 for fans who storm either the court for basketball, the field for football, 
I'm just going to ask you, Brandon, what is your overall thought on storming the field? My, my, my overall thought on storming the field is, well, yeah, there's player safety, coach safety, and everyone down there on the field, there's, there's the safety for that. And you don't want anyone getting hurt, of course, at, at any time. No matter, you know, the winner, the loser, doesn't matter. You don't, you don't want people getting hurt. However, storming the court, storming the field has been going on since I can possibly remember. It's just something fans do, especially after a big win. It's exciting. It's fun. Let them do it. A $250,000 fine. Are you kidding me? That's, the schools get enough money already in everything else that they do. They should not be doing something like that. I, I think that if there's it, certain issues, you address them individually. However, if there's not, let them be. Just let them be. Well, and here is the exact numbers on the fine. If you get fined the first time, it's just $5,000. Oh, Ooh, only. Right there. The second offense goes from 5000 to 25000 and then third plus, so third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. You can go all the way through 12 if you do it every single game. Third through 12 would be $50,000. That's stupid. And that's to the that school. Is, that's that's ri- to the school. That's, <coughs> that's ridiculous. And the only thing I can think of, Brandon, is I know what you're saying, where you got to let, let kids have fun. However, me, I can see on the other side. When we saw, I think it was at Kansas State, they stormed the feet, like they stormed the court. Bill Self was pinned up against the scores table. Here's what I say you do you have your security, you hold them. You say, okay, we're going to let you storm the court. Let us just let the players do their handshake, let them get safely to the locker room. Then you can storm the court. Go ahead, have fun. Whereas in football, to me, I think the bigger hazard is how you get fans climbing the foul post and then bringing them down. First off, it costs money to bring those things back up. And two, someone's going to get hurt. And if they get hurt on the field, they can go ahead and sue the school. Yeah, well, that's why I'm saying on an individual basis, you know, deal with it. But yeah. other than that, let them be. Let them go do it. I mean, don't give them a fine. Everyone's going to do it. They're going to continue to do it because they could they could put down whatever amount of money. People are still going to do it because it's just it's a fun thing that people do. It's the excitement. It's the adrenaline, mm-hmm. especially if your team just won. In the Alabama-Auburn game. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I would have loved to have been a part of the fans storming the field on that <laughs> night. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. An awesome feeling. I would love to be a part of that or would have loved to have been a part of that and would love to be a part of something like that in the future. I would do it. I don't care if they're going to say that they're going to find me because guess what? They're probably not. So here's the other thing that the SEC did this week, and this is a policy I'm just going to read the first paragraph from the ESPN article. SEC presidents and chancellors adopted a proposal by Georgia that would prevent conference schools from accepting transfer students with histories of domestic violence or sexual assault. All for that. I'm all for that. Brandon, complete other side. Brandon's all, you can storm the court. Oh, okay. I'm all for that. I am. I, I absolutely am because he, I think it's kind of a shame that we have to have like 
I mean, you might be saying right now as I'm saying this, well, Ricky, you're being a little naive right now. Of course, there's people that are that stupid, but it kind of pains me that we have to make a rule. We have to make this rule that says, hey, you know what? If this guy hit a woman or maybe like what Jameis Winston did and, well, he we don't know if he did it, but accused of rape. We can all assume he that, did it. Oh, well, you know what? We probably shouldn't take him. You should, You probably shouldn't take him just because he was accused of those things. You shouldn't need a rule to tell you no. No, we won't. Take you shouldn't it. need a rule. But but let me let me tell you. Let me give you an example. And this is okay. de- dealing with the NFL. So the New England Patriots they drafted, even though they knew they knew the story, they knew the background on Aaron Hernandez. They knew yep. he had been in trouble. They well, knew he was he was involved with gangs. Look at the Cowboys. They, they knew it. The, the Patriots knew it. They went, they drafted him anyways. He lasted mm-hmm. a couple of years, but in those couple of years, he managed to murder a couple of people, and now he's going to be going to jail. Yep. For well, his, he's the rest, in jail. I mean, but he's, he's, he's in jail for in the jail. rest of his yeah. life. The rest of his life. And then the Dallas Cowboys, if you need a team in the NFL that will take someone's dirty laundry and just air it everywhere on their on in their locker room, it is the Jerry Jones-run Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. They'll do it. Well, They'll do like it. They, and I'm not saying that these guys are bad guys because, like, we haven't seen how their careers play out. It's not like the Aaron Hernandez where we were looking like that in hindsight. But you got guys like Randy Gregory, Lyle Collins. Those are two bad lockable, bad chemistry guys. They were saying during the draft, Jerry Jones went ahead and took them. Or he how went about ahead and took them. with who is it, Greg Hardy? Yep. Went they, ahead I mean, and took and him too. They, they 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 signed him up, and he's now suspended ten games. Mm-hmm. It's they. It's like they don't care. They don't care. They see all. All Jerry Jones sees is talent, potential talent, however, and money signs. However, the one thing I will defend Jerry Jones and the Cowboys with with is how they treated the case of Josh Brent. Do you know what happened with Josh Brent? Were you familiar with that? Was that the car accident? That was the yes. car accident where he killed his. His cowboy teammate and his four, and they were also teammates at Illinois. How they handled that, to me, I saw that where it was like, that's how you needed to handle it. Don't just say, oh, get out of here for what you did. Keep keep the atmosphere open, saying, hey, man, we're a family. We're going to help you through this, especially after the teammate's mom came out and forgave him openly. And you could tell Josh was going through some mental things with that where he tried to come back, signed a year deal, and then recently just said, hey, you know what, I can't do it. I'm going to retire. But, yeah, to me it kind of pains me to see that the SEC has to make a rule where they're telling schools you cannot accept a transfer student that has histories of domestic violence and sexual assault. Well, let me tell you, I think that it's it's a really good rule, and, and I'll kind of expand on that a little bit here. So what these guys are supposed to be trying to do, and with within college sports, mm-hmm. they're supposed to be made into upstanding citizens and gentlemen who will go out and who will hold the door open for a lady, who will have good manners, who will do all these things, who will do the things... At the at the former college that mm-hmm. that, that we graduated from, Saint Xavier yep. University, that's exactly where their football program goes towards. That's exactly what they try and do. But I think that 
it's a great thing to have in place because if they have a history of domestic violence or domestic abuse or anything like that, that could definitely, not saying it will, but can definitely continue on. And I think that that would be absolute, an absolute shame if, the, uh, if a college allows them to transfer in and they continue with their ways because then that puts a bad mark on your program. It just makes me think of the story of Broxton Miller and this they did a special on sports center either before or after the national championship. I think it was right before his decision, which I don't know why you need a decision if you're staying or going to the NFL, but that's besides the point. And he was one of those children that didn't grow up with parents, had this she was related to the school that he was at, take him in and kind of be that parent figure in me. That's coming from the other side of it, where Brandon, I know I agree with what you're saying, where football teams, coaches have to teach these young men how to be upstanding citizens. However, it also, it's hard when, let's say, you and me, we can talk like that because we come from privileged families, not very privileged. We're still, I would say, I don't know about you, I would say my family is still middle class, but I come from a complete home. Mom and dad are still together. I had my loving grandfather till I was 22. And most of, most of these players, some of them grow up with don't, I only had one parent. I didn't have any parents. So to me, it's kind of a, yes, the coaches need to do something where it's like, okay, I'm going to take this young man under my wing when they leave the football field, if they don't have that presence at home or wherever they may go, you can't watch them 24-7. You can't watch them 24-7, but I think a big responsibility does fall on the coach. Not necessarily be the caretaker, mm-hmm. but to be, the, the, the in a way, a, care, a caregiver when you're around them. Because you need to be able to teach them as much as you can about even life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell the the, the amount of... Football movies that we've watched. I mean, gosh, remember the We're Titans. We're talking about tons of cliches I mean, right now. Tons of them. But but the thing is, though, is that it's true, though. That's how they have to be. Uh-huh. It, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what kind of person it is or player it is, if they're the best player, if they're, you know, the, the, the worst player mm-hmm. on the team. You've got to be there for them, and you've got to help to make them into the best possible person that they can possibly be. Here's our two overarching questions to end the podcast this week. Number one, it's the title of our podcast and what we talked about earlier. If you were the AD of Iowa State, who would you interview? Tell us who you would interview. Give us your top three that would get an interview from you and then pick one of those three to get the coaching job at Iowa State. And then a second question I want to ask everybody is what me and Brandon were just talking about. What are your views on the policy passed by the SEC saying that schools cannot take transfers who have a history of domestic violence or sexual assault? That is going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. Make sure to check out our podcast next week as we will have our 2.0 for the NBA mock draft. 
And that's coming up later this month. I am so excited for it. I want to thank everyone for listening. If you liked the video, hit that like button. If you loved it, hit the subscribe button. Leave a comment down below. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.